4: Welcome to The Delicious Podcast with me, Julie Smith, and this week it's the monthly magazine style packed with features from the delicious world of food and drink. We hear how veg power is harnessing the might of the advertising industry to get kids to eat their greens and get a sneak peek of what the international A-listers at this year's BAFTA Film Awards will be eating on February the 10th. We've got a slice of life with Bake Off's Chetna Makan, Delicious Movie Night columnists, Fred Hogg and Kay Blunkethog, take us to Thailand in Kay's new book Ban. And we meet the chef who jigs squid for our supper. But first, if you're looking for more variety in your everyday meals and are keen to make sure they're well balanced and nutritious, Delicious Magazine editor Karen Barnes talks about a smart new time-saving service, Meal Planner, which you can find on our website deliciousmagazine.co.uk.
5: Yes, it's a new thing that really is prompted by lots of people saying to us that they they have a they know we have a wealth of recipes but where do you start if you want to be more organized you want to save time and you want to just have um, a list of things to cook rather than having that four o'clock panic on the way home and thinking i've got to get something on the table and just dashing into a shop and being spontaneous which you know there is merit in that i do that myself Mm. love doing it sometimes Um, so the idea of this is very simple that you just log on and essentially you say what you like. So you would say whether you want to, uh, cook vegetarian food or you might want to cook dairy free or, uh, you might want, you might specify that you love Italian or Chinese or Indian cooking or all of those. You might say they're all your favorites, uh, that you want a whole variety, uh, You can specify whether you just want breakfast, lunch, or if you want it to be dinners. And uh, once you've specified all of your preferences, which only takes a few moments, that all goes into the system and you are delivered a tailor-made package of recipes for the week, which are, for whatever you've requested, they should fit those requirements. And then, even better, all of the ingredients can go straight into an online shopping basket, which is very handy. Well, that's a question. We are initially it's starting with one supermarket and it will be um, rolling out to others. Mm-hmm. Um, but what would your question be at that point? Because I had one. That I had them all ready. I had a lot of those ingredients in my larder already. Precisely. So what you can do is just give it a quick once over and if it says cinnamon and turmeric, which you know you've already got, then you just take them oh, out. Okay. So then it just goes straight through and then I'm it can all happy. be delivered. So it's all about making life easier and saving time so we're starting off with a special offer where you can trial it for 99p and see whether you like it and if you don't you just stop it and if you do then you can carry on and uh, you can also specify if you want to lose weight for example you can specify an upper calorie limit on um, recipes so that you you know that you're going to be eating healthily Monday to Friday then if you wanted to plan a dinner party or something you could change the specifications for another time so it's very flexible because you just keep going on and telling it what you want and then you get more things delivered to you genius
4: we won't have to think about anything soon will we
5: (laughs) I know I'm thinking I can just lie on the sofa and uh, watch a box set I'm joking (laughs) Because, of course, we'll be cooking all those wonderful recipes. But actually, it sort of goes back to that whole thing of, I think, in our ideal worlds we all would like to be more organised. And that's what this is appealing to. I think one
4: of the most important things about that, actually, is lack of waste. I mean, the amount of times I buy and I fill my fridge and then I'm out for three days or whatever.
5: True, and I have to say I'm at one for... If I go to the supermarket without some kind of organisation in my head, I will just buy too much because I think this could be useful. And you're right, you then, when well, I quite like the challenge of using it up. Yeah. But it's really hard sometimes yeah. to get through it all, isn't it? And if you don't want to do your online shopping direct
4: from Meal Planner, Karen tells me it can create a shopping list for you instead. Clever. Log on to deliciousmagazine.co.uk to give it a try. Now, if you're a regular reader of Delicious Magazine, you'll know that we've just launched a brand new column called Fred and Kay's Movie Night, which suggests a film to watch, plus a recipe for a wonderful dish to cook, ready to eat while you watch the film. I met Fred and Kay out and about in London Soho to talk about Kay's latest book, Burn, about the food from her childhood home in Thailand. I asked her how much it meant to her to finally write the cookbook of her family life
3: means an awful lot. I mean, I started food writing about 10 years ago, I guess, uh, exactly 10 years ago, the first book I co-wrote came out, which was Cook Yourself Thin, Quick and Easy, January 2019. Um, and it came out on the day my mother died. So she never got to see any of my books. So this one coming out now 10 years to the day later and being the Thai book, I started food writing to write means an awful lot. It's a huge, huge accomplishment. Because I did spend a lot of time being told by people, uh, no, you're not going to be able to write a Thai bit because you don't look Thai, Uh, hello. But the fact is, I was born there, I grew up there. I'm as Thai as the next person, you, as all my Thai friends will tell me. And you refer to yourself as the foreign-faced girl with the heart of a Thai. Well, yes, that's what that was called that by a Thai friend on a movie many years ago, and it, it sort of stuck with me. Mm. Um, and, and, yeah. and it's
4: called Ban, which means? Ban home. means
3: home. It can mean home, house, it can mean the village. It's basically the half, the home, where you're from. It has A, a lot of Thai words have several meanings, yeah. or encompass more than one particular sort of thing yeah so yeah uh, so, it, it was a very important book for me to have and now I sort of feel this enormous sense of that bit's done and no it means an awful lot
4: and and you go back through some of the recipes that you learnt with your cook
3: yeah there's some recipes from our cook Prayun, who is incredible but she could cook everything from Thai to Indian to Chinese to Scandinavian she was extraordinary and that she didn't shoo me out of the kitchen uh, at the, at her sort of earliest Opportunity is, is credit to her, and, and it did me an awful lot of good too. And
4: one of the most important things that you you talk about is rice, which is absolutely central to the Thai diet, uh, most Asian diets. And you say that it you probably learnt that at her knee, didn't you? hundred percent. But perhaps more importantly, you grew up with the sense that rice wasn't. A- actually just an ingredient no in. it's
3: a lifeblood I mean I think I say in the book it's the maypole at the center of the table of worked all the other flavors dance around when Thai people ask you if you have eaten yet or you like to eat they say have you eaten rice yeah. so it's about have you eaten rice have you have, do you want some rice because rice is so central and it is one of the big uh sort of agricultural stalwarts of the country obviously
4: Now, you've both just come back. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, French, you've obviously been to Thailand quite a few times, but only with Kay.
2: Only with Kay, which is an extraordinary privilege because I think when you experience any culture for a first time, there's this level of, oh my gosh, you know, I don't speak the language. Uh, How am I going to experience this? You go to Thailand with Kay and suddenly there's this woman talking perfect colloquial Thai and you find yourself in the most extraordinary places mm-hmm. uh, from hanging out with elephant mahouts who speak no English at all to and this is one of the weirder examples we were driving into a village called Boochet in, in northeastern Thailand on the day of William and Kate's wedding and we had to stop for ask, to ask directions and these people came out of this house and Kate starts chatting and they start chatting to Kate and they realise that we're British And they're watching the royal wedding. And they're like, you've got to come in, you've got to come in. And suddenly we find ourselves in this house, in the middle of this village, in the middle of nowhere, watching... A royal wedding from England. It was dubbed in Thai dubbed, with Thai
4: food. It
3: was dubbed
2: strange. in Thai with exactly with Thai food. It was the most bizarre, but only, that could only mm. happen with K. Yeah.
4: Now, the big plan is that you're actually going to run a cookery course over there. We
3: are. I mean, the big plan is we were up in the mountains, which is our favourite place, up in Ching Rai province, which is in the Golden Triangle, and there's a cookery school already there which I'll be teaching at, but we've seen the most amazing property. And the dream is really to go and start a destination, cookery, school and restaurant up there with villas and rooms in the jungle, overlooking the Burmese mountains, half an hour from the Mekong River. It's paradise. It's a paradise for nature lovers, bird, twitchers and watchers, everything. It's just I go there and I just breathe. My heart just, heart rate comes down. So for me, it feels like coming full circle and coming home or coming to my man again.
4: Now, you may already have seen the new TV ads for VegPower, a campaign backed by ITV to get kids eating to defeat their worst enemy, the vegetable. It's the latest initiative to tackle the rise in obesity amongst children, and former ad man Dan Parker and Joe Ranning, until recently one of Jamie Oliver's top team, told me how they've harnessed the power of super communications to blast the campaign into kids' consciousness. Dan told me why it was so necessary
6: truth is an awful lot of kids don't like vegetables least, shocker i know ah, <laughs> big news our challenge here is that 80 percent of children are not eating enough vegetables across the uk and this is particularly acute in the lower income families mm-hmm. but really across the population as a whole if we're eating more veggies and we're probably eating less of the unhealthy food okay and so it becomes part of the of solving the obesity challenge
7: yeah so the answer joe is we decided to turn the tables round instead of trying to communicate to kids in a uh, about happy and cheerful and health messages about vegetables we decided to make an action spoof horror movie i think is the way <laughs> we describe it now um and we uh, the editorial was very much driven by what's going to entertain kids what's going to Engage children. So, our ad is all about the evil veg are taking the world over, and the children have got to eat them to defeat them. <laughs> we set up Veg Power um, as a fledgling organization about a year ago. ITV then got in touch and said they wanted to help, and very quickly the conversation moved to an amazing opportunity of two million quid's worth of free advertising space. Uh, We contacted Adam and Eve, one of the biggest advertising agencies in London, to make a special 60-second ad. We then contacted every retailer, every supermarket, um, and we now have 11 uh, all lined up who are working together for the first time, who uh, made a donation and gave us a production budget, and we went out and shot the most amazing commercial. Uh, it's been a roller coaster ride and we have a huge uh, amount now of partners From uh, it's going to go out in, in cinemas uh, we've got a lot of community groups who are doing huge amounts of work the supermarkets are going to be doing stuff at point of sale so we hope that this campaign will will have real impact and reach and of course you've got the, the Veg Cities, London, Sadiq Khan is on board absolutely, we've got all the Veg Cities there are Veg Cities right across the UK um, we've had, I mean we've got 150 uh, celebrity chefs and influencers and food bloggers, um, all supporting this campaign and giving us helping us get great reach. So we really hope that we're going to have an impact. But really, it's about doing something that the kids engage with. Yeah. We're, you know, it's a nod to the fact that you know. Okay, kids, we know you don't like veg. Well, why don't you beat them? Why don't you eat them to defeat them? And that's our tagline. You've got lots of celebrity chefs involved.
4: Hugh Fernley-Whittingstall has done a massive amount already. And, of course, Jamie Oliver. And you worked with Jamie for a very long time. Jamie is famous for mushrooming these ideas. He's very, very good at getting people engaged and on board and for an idea to kind of go viral. And you worked with him for a very long time. What have you learnt from the Jamie Oliver world that you've brought to this campaign?
7: I've worked with Jamie for 10 years and I think we really learnt that um, doing things in partnership and and, uh, creating huge groups of uh, supporters around an idea is the way to take it to the next level. Um, So... Uh, when we when I was there, we used to take the, the we used to get the essence of a campaign idea, and then we used to reach out to all our partners and get them to support it on their social medias, and also make different content. I mean, I think you know what's so exciting about this campaign is lots of people are doing doing it in their own ways, and I think that's that's the way to spread a message quickly and virally. Brilliant,
4: and it's already on our television screens.
7: Yes, the uh, we launched on the twenty fifth of January in Coronation Street. Uh, we've got prime time entertainment and drama slots across. ITV for the next four months and you will see uh, the posters appearing across your cities in bus stops your we have caterers on board who are going to be putting those posters into schools um, we have the veg of the week campaign which is starting up right now uh, where each week we will be profiling a different vegetable um, and uh, hopefully a lot of the kids are going to be eating them the, uh, the supermarkets will have some of those veg on special I mean this campaign will appear all over the place in the next four
4: months it's award season with an international community of a-list film stars about to head to london for this year's bafta film awards but what message can bafta chefs convey about british food and british food culture through the dinner menu i met up with its top food team paul bates and anton manganaro to taste some of the teeny but delicious dishes on the menu for this year's awards and i asked paul what he was trying to achieve
6: the idea was to try and keep it as British and as seasonal as possible. And also, you've got to keep it um, as user-friendly as possible. From a service point of view, 2,000 people is a lot of people. Uh, and also, you don't want to put anything on there that's too dangerous, too, too, uh, too adventurous. Um, so, obviously, salmon is very good. It's a good way of doing that. And you don't want to do the basic smoked salmon, so we've just cured it lightly. That um, was And it's just nice. It melts, doesn't it? It melts. delicious. And then, and then crab. Crab is always a winner. And, and Devon crab, you can't beat it. Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, that was the idea.
4: Now, we've got a lot of people in tight dresses, people who don't, they're not
8: going to really be interested in food, are they? They are, they are. It's a long, long day. So we start about 2 o'clock, red carpet, I think, for 4, then the ceremony, and then back here for dinner, half 10. So it's a long, long day. So we have to feed them, obviously, um, but we don't want to overfeed them. And that's why this year we went for a lighter starter and a lighter main course. We were clever, we made sure there was enough on the plate to feed them. So a little bonbon, a little bit of potato in there. We took the uh, leg meat from the guinea fowl, uh, mixed up a little bit of mashed potato, uh, some red onion marmalade, some um, roasted mushrooms and shallots. Lots full of flavor, um, but made it quite small. And then um, you've got that, got that rich part of the dish and then the breast meat, the very light part. So really if they want just to eat the light breast meat, they can. Or if they they, want, they feel a bit they, they still <laughs> but, feel yeah. a bit hungry, they can uh, go for the bonbons. But, but the bonbons are the comfort food bit. Yeah. you know it's it's. it's we uh, need a bit of that. Because it's nice as well. Yeah, it's nice. Maybe they will push themselves on, and that's when the dessert as well. It's normally chocolate. But this year it's lighter. It's mousse. It's jelly. Yeah. Little it's a little bit, bit of light like sponge. You yeah. You've got the yuzu to so kick up the palate at the end of the meal. Um, the clementine as well, the sweetness. So it's, it's really light, balanced meal, I think.
4: What about the vegans? Now, you've told me before about what you prepared for Leonardo DiCaprio a couple of years back. That's right. Got any standout names this year that you're going to watch for?
8: Paul's job, out of 2,200, or probably about, I don't know, Six hundred, and then we'll probably want different, Probably different dietary
6: requirements. Requirement. Yeah, yeah, the funny thing is, you know, you used to always hate it for ten percent, ten percent extra vegetarians. Now it's gone through the roof. Yes. It's twenty percent now, yeah. and then on At top least. of that, on top of that, yeah. you have all the dietary requirements. Yeah. Uh, and so, someone, and does it, eat yeah. someone yeah. doesn't eat onions, yeah. someone doesn't eat garlic, yeah. someone doesn't eat tomato yeah. So you know, you try Which and is great, set guests. We know
8: we're here for that. Yeah. yeah. And with these vegan dishes, we eliminate. We try to eliminate much of that as possible on the night so people don't feel uncomfortable saying oh I'm a vegan or I don't eat dairy so we Made these dishes, come up with all these ideas that actually, if you're out for a night to enjoy yourself, you don't want to you know, too stressed about us going to wait for yeah, some
6: and, and the worst thing in the world is we wouldn't want to give someone a lemon risotto or a, or a ball of sorbet, would we? Yeah, no, it's it's boring, so it's we want a a to do something, yeah, something special. You're going
4: to give yeah. them risotto anyway because it's no. not British. Exactly. Now, with all the dietary requirements, you've gone through your vegans, you've gone through your vegetarians and all the rest of it, you've produced something that's really exceptional. You use British produce. Are you selling. To an international A-list community, the best of
6: British. Oh, I think so, very much so. The, the, the challenge you have, though, is we're in January, February. It's, let's be quite frank. It is not the easiest time to find British produce. So you know you have to you have to you have to work ahead of the game. So the chestnuts, for example, we got in back in October, November. But basically, what it is, it's um, wild mushrooms and chestnuts. We shape it in a ring, uh, and then we wrap it in a pastry, a bit like um, a spring roll wrapper, uh, and then it's and it's baked last minute, and so you've got the texture. Unfortunately, with a lot of vegetarian, vegan cuisine, it can be very soft, you know. So just by adding this little or pastry, sure, yes, yes. So by adding this little um, uh, pastry around the outside, it gives it another texture.
8: We're trying to make everyone feel in- included. So with the starter, you've got some so many different textures on here. You have got jelly, you've got um, a slaw, you've got pickling going on, you've got some crispy bits uh, going on as well. So just um, textures of grains. So again, in season, so grains are in season. Uh, some pearl barley, some spelt. Um, so Trying to fill them up as well, so you don't want just a plate of raw veg. So they're, they're, they're feeling they've got the protein going in there as well, yeah. um, which is important.
4: Textures, colours, stand-out, wow food, but also food to keep them going through a very, very long day. Totally,
8: totally, and a, a very long night. Hopefully, you know, they they stay to the end.
4: Food YouTuber and cook Jenna Makan is one of those bake-off contestants that became a winner even though she only got to the semi-finals. I joined her for a coffee in a very busy St. Pancras train station to get a slice of her life and I asked her for her earliest food memory.
9: My earliest food memory I think would be just kind of mum's cooking really is what is my,
2: you you, know, as far as
9: I can remember. Can you remember a smell? Oh, the one smell. That will never leave me is uh, mum making fresh ghee at home. It, I can't say it's my favorite smell, <laughs> <laughs> but that is the smell I remember like clearly because she would make it every few weeks. And um, as soon as we'd come back from school, literally open the door and oh my god, mum, you've made ghee today. That is why I Where remember you? it. Um, you know, in India, um, in Jabalpur, um, they still live in the same house. Um, And that is the smell that I, that's the first thing that I remember about her cooking. There are really, really good smells as well. And it's not a bad smell, you know, fresh kiwi made, not my favourite smell, but that is a clear cut memory of mine. And do you remember that moment where you wanted to actually take part in cooking yourself? I think it wasn't particularly cooking before uh, the first time I really wanted. I remember, like, my memory isn't particularly cooking as such, uh, but it was baking, even, you know, um, when I was little. Because uh, my mum has this uh, very, um, kind of, very smallish oven which is portable, electric. So she would sometimes put it in her bedroom or put it in our room. And, um, you know, so she would make simple cakes um, and just basic uh, sponges and her favorite was the date cake uh, which you know is a friends and family still a favorite one Um, and she would make those she didn't make cookies or pastries nothing nothing at all only cakes and I wanted to make a cake it's a very
4: British thing a sponge cake isn't it is it
7: popular
9: in in India of your childhood Yes, yes, absolutely. Sponges are very, very popular in India, but not people baking it at home. But it is more popular if you go to, from when I was very little, I remember there's few bakeries and they would make a pineapple sponge. Like it would just have the tinned pineapple pieces in it with some fresh cream, Um, but that is still sold and very, very popular in India even now. So clearly you've got a very strong sense of smell. So I'm yes. going to ask
4: you, first smell you associate with arriving in England?
9: Ooh, oh, my God. <laughs> now you've put me in a spot. Um, oh, yes. When I arrived, I came directly from Mumbai. I had been to London a few times, but I had never been to Broadstairs where I live. So I didn't know where I was going, and my husband kept telling me, you know, we live really close to the sea, we live really close to the sea. And as soon as we arrived in Broadstairs, I could smell the sea, the fresh air, um, and yeah, that would be the smell, that would be the first smell of Britain. Lovely. Three people who you would like at the perfect dinner party? Oh, um, oh perfect um, dinner party would be if I could get my mum and my two sisters and I know they're not famous or you know parts oh my god that would be a dream because um, since I've started like cooking professionally um, I haven't actually had them all together no god so the last time all three sisters and our parents were together was when my younger sister got married which was eight or nine years ago. my goodness. Yeah. Dream dinner party. That would be a dream dinner party.
4: Now chefs as we know are a hardy bunch but
9: Andrew Baird,
4: executive chef at Longville Manor in Jersey is a real action man, a fisherman, diver and champion of self-sufficiency for the island. He invited me to spend the day with him as we jigged for his squid on a very windy evening. And I asked him if he enjoyed foraging for his five-star menu.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, from sort of like walking in the countryside to going on beaches, hedgerows, it's all around us. And it's only our sort of like knowledge and experience um, or inexperience that's stopping us from doing it every day. And time, of course.
4: Yeah, of course. Now, we're we're out here squid jigging, Mm -hmm. which is basically posh fishing,
1: isn't it, for squid? (laughs) Uh, Posh fishing, it's... A real sort of like specific type of fishing. We use a special lure. We have sort of like upturned hooks which look like shrimp. And the squid season starts late September. And it particularly works well when we've got a nice full moon, clear skies, and None of which we've got tonight. No, <laughs> there's uh, a
4: huge storm just about to take the whole uh, of the UK and Jersey. Yeah,
1: but of course today we've, we've got what we call an omrind tide. So it's a really big tide, uh, 11.4 metres, which I think is about about 38 feet. So if you think about that, low water, you stand on the water's edge and wait for that tide to come in. And then six hours later, it's going to be 38 feet above your head, which is massive. That's
4: yeah. extraordinary. And what does that mean for the squid?
1: It means there's lots of movement in the water. So they come in in shoals generally, and um, they will sort of like hunting groups, looking for small fish, uh, small crabs. And it's um, being a diver, I've seen these creatures in, in action, and it's quite amazing how big a fish they'll catch and, and eat themselves. So as a diver, um, I, I've had the opportunity to see these squid in action, and when you when you see them. Um, On the ocean bed, hunting, Uh, they can catch quite considerable fish themselves. You know, something the size of a place or a sole is not uncommon. And, um, yeah, amazing to watch. And the colours. I mean, you know, when you see them on the slab, they're almost translucent. Of course, in the wild, they're just, you know, every colour of the rainbow. Amazing creatures.
4: Yeah. Now, we were out earlier on the beach, uh, Green Island Beach, armouring. As yep. that ormouring tide was coming in, it's, yep. it's actually
1: very dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, you've really got to know what you're doing, which, which I love. I, lo- I love finding out about places and what you can do and what not to do and where to go and where not to go. And you hear all the stories about you know people being cut off and, and not taking good advice. But if you follow the rules and you know where you're going, go with locals. Um, if you just go willy-nilly for a stroll down the beach, you're not going to find these creatures, which are, you know, hiding in their environment.
4: Yeah, we've also met some of the goats that produce your goat's cheese. And had a look at some of the mushrooms yeah. that you use. Now, you find the people who are actually deliberately m- making something of this island and are creating relationships with the growers to make sure that Jersey is, is nurtured by what you do at Longville Manor.
1: Yeah, I mean, being a chef, you know, we're exposed to these, you know, amazing people. Um, for some reason, people, um, you know, watch chefs on TV and they just see us cooking. One of the real passions I've got is the people: um, spear fishermen, scuba divers, yeah, goat herd, mm-hmm. uh, mushroom growers, um, people caring for soft fruits and asparagus. Um, it, it's just amazing, and there's not a day goes by where I'm not, you know, meeting, you know, some lifelong friends that you know grow this produce and uh, enable us to do what we do in the kitchen.
4: Yeah, fantastic. Now. We've been standing here for about 15 minutes, yeah. a bit longer than that, perhaps yeah. a bit cold. Early, um, <laughs> early, early, early
7: days, yeah. <laughs> Is it? It's early days.
4: How long would you stay here and yeah. hold the patience enough to catch a squid?
1: Yeah, fishing's a funny one. It's just nice to come out here, look at the stars, watch the ocean, and just chill out. And you know what? You might be looking catch one first cast. You just drop your lure in and it's on there and it's just such an amazing feeling to catch to catch a squid um, but you could be there all night and not catch a thing without fishing. and so to the food team for their top tip of the month
4: here's food editor Jen Bedley
5: we were testing cheese souffles this month and we realised one of the, the crucial things to get right and this would be my takeaway tip would be to season the base more than you think it's got to be a really thick base because it's got a be stable enough to hold your um, to hold your souffle in place as it rises but if you season it re- more than you really think because you suddenly put all these egg whites in and it lightens the mix but it also will dilute the flavour so get it in there, you can't go back, once those egg whites are in you, can, you can't go back so be brave and bold with your seasoning
4: and that's it for this week thanks for listening to the Delicious Podcast next week I will be back with how to cook like former Ottolenghi chef
8: Rameel Scully I'll see you then.